Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. It's Mike and Doug. Oh my god, uh, dude, uh, it's always great to be here, but I can't tell you how great it is to be here. Oh gosh, dude. Dude, welcome back. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, dude, life has put us both in health and safety protocols for... Uh, for a good two months here, just in, yeah. in life, just and and uh, before we start talking about the sharks, I just want to say, you know, we've had several listeners reach out to see, uh, not not to say where are the episodes, but to actually ask, are we okay? Which uh, I really appreciated that. Really nice. Um, and those of you who didn't, why didn't you care? Yeah. But uh, no, dude, uh, it's been it's been a tough couple months for both of us. Uh, personally, with uh, with losses in our uh, families, uh, people we're very close to, um, and also you know had uh, you know people in my family have uh, COVID and and recover, and uh, going through all that has been hard. So um, I'm sure everybody understands why we have not been recording, uh, knowing those circumstances over the first thirty games. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, life took precedent over fun in this case, dude. But but we're back. We're back. Even we, though the sharks are on hiatus, we are not. <laughs> we are back, dude. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And all the holiday season to you, dude. And, you know, 30 games in, not bad. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. It's okay. Not bad. I, I think we would both agree better than expected. Uh, certainly when the Sharks were, I don't know, four or five games over 500, that was the better than expected territory. I think we are now in the slightly better than expected territory as the Sharks are almost exactly at 500 at this point. And uh, it's a, at least if they keep going the way they're going, they're not going to make the playoffs, which is what we predicted. And there's definitely some really good things about this team so far and some not so good things about this team so far. And I'm sure we're going to get into all of those. But um, yeah, it, obviously the, the NHL is in a weird spot as the, the oh, world kind of yeah. is right now. The Sharks did not play recent games. Uh, it's unclear exactly when the next games are going to be played. There's some controversy of whether you can go to Canada to play and they're under different rules and so forth. So it's not even clear when the season will resume at this point. And I know that Burns and others were in the COVID protocol as of a few days ago. Not even clear who's healthy, who can play, even if games were to resume. So there's just a lot of uncertainty, dude. So I guess we're going to just talk about the Sharks today in a sort of wide view, not really looking forward to, oh, what's going to happen in the next game or what happened in the last game. It's really an, an overview of, of the where the Sharks seem to sit now, even though we're not at the halfway point. But this is a time I think we can pause and take a look. Yeah. 
Well, I think when we saw the Sharks have a, a pretty significant outbreak of COVID on their team, you know, about at the halfway point of where we are in the season, you know, the Sharks were able to hold down the fort yeah. uh, surprisingly and uh, had, I think, four of their six D were AHL defensemen in one game. And we saw that, you know, with uh, Malosh and um, and Hataka and uh, Ryan Merkley, who, you know, played a handful of games uh, during that 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 stretch and did not embarrass himself like that. The Sharks may have more low end organizational depth than I understood where yeah. it's not like they've got a bunch of impact guys ready to jump up and like take the spotlight. Right. 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 But when that happened, they were able to, they won some games, you yeah. know, with, with, with players that, you know, they, you know, were, were not guys that, you know, I certainly expected watching that game going, oh my God, this is going to be terrible. And I think they won that first game. They beat the Jets, I think, yeah. with, with a mishmash of players in there that you're sort of like, what is happening right now? But yeah, organizational depth, again, not in a splashy way, but in a, you know, when guys get hurt or put on the COVID list way, it was surprising to me. I, I didn't expect that. Right. In in two ways. One, certainly there's no Kale McCarr who's waiting to come on to the roster, right? So there's no... And, and at least I know it's still probably technically pre- premature, but I'm just going to go ahead and say what everyone's thinking. Merkley is not going to be that. Right, Merkley. It doesn't look like he's going to be. He might become an NHL player. We'll talk about another guy who's really surprised me who's turned into an NHL player. Um, and it seems unlikely at this point, even you know, looking at his AHL stats, that that Merkley is not going to be some sort of star here. So uh, it's unfortunate, but that appears to be where we are. But the one thing I'd say about that is, it appeared at least during that stretch there was a cultural uh, need or cultural push to win games even though they didn't have good players. Correct. And, you know, there wasn't this, oh, okay, we have every reason to lose this game. We're going to kind of fold the tent. It's like, nah, let's just go out there be gritty, see what happens. And they went out there, got gritty, and they won some games. You know, and this is the kind of thing that I think we were really concerned about, certainly with the prospect of Evander Kane being on this team. And Evander Kane hasn't been on this team. Uh, I'm not at all convinced that those two things aren't related. <laughs> so I, I think that this team, even though they were sort of playing with whoever they could find, uh, they weren't giving up and it wasn't just uh, a team of stars that was only producing. And, and certainly some of the top end guys have been doing really, really well, um, but they have not been scoring. And that, that is really the problem. Yeah, with oh. the, with this team for sure. I mean, they are I think twenty seventh in the NHL in 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 scoring, and you know, and and when you you know consider that perhaps their top goal scorer might not be on the roster for much longer, and we'll talk about the you know, the future of Tomas Hurdle here in a moment. But uh, you know, this is a team that struggles to score, but uh, they play hard, and that has been a, a issue you know, especially last year 
where they seemed to just, you know, they just gave up collectively way too easily. And I think you can attribute that to, you know, some of the guys who are playing now on this team. Uh, you know, Jacob Middleton is an NHL defenseman. Right. He was the guy I was referring to like, a moment ago. Okay. I mean, like, okay. Like, yeah. Did not, maybe it's the mustache. I mean, like, I'm not sure, but uh, I, when he grew that mustache, all of a sudden he grew some talent. <laughs> I never would have called Jacob Middleton being no a regular player on the Sharks after him having so many opportunities right. the last few years. Right. I, I think he's a guy that, uh, has really injected some life into some of those minutes that before were, you know, those Tim Heath minutes that, you know, were not productive. And, you know, he's he's willing to take a fight. He's willing to hit. He'll block shots. Uh, he doesn't make glaring errors. You know, he's been really solid. And, and when you look at, okay, yeah, Nick Bonino has not been producing uh, points-wise, right? Uh, but he doesn't, he has contributed a lot of other things. Andrew Cogliano, I sort of, you know, I, I went when they signed him. That is not a Yeah. Like he's been a significant upgrade over some of the other guys that we had playing those minutes last year. And I feel like that has shifted this culture that you talked about that the Sharks said last year was there, and there's BS. You know, it was right. not. But this year, I I buy it. Like, I do. Um, you know, another player that, you know, we can circle and say has been, you know, a significant upgrade is, you know, and maybe the best name in the NHL, Jasper Weatherby. Like, this is, he's a real NHL player, and I like that, you know, they he's he's played 29 out of the 30 games, I think, right? That's right. He's not been perfect. No. But 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 they they're not punishing him. I think he sat out one game, right? Right. Like they're not punishing him when he makes mistakes. You just let him play because you watch this kid play and you go, this dude could be on on in the bottom six for the Sharks for ten years. Yeah. You don't punish him. Let him play. Let him make mistakes. Right. You know. Right. Whereas two years ago, I think he would already be back with the Barracuda. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. And so, you know, and, and that willingness of the team to sort of take a look at these guys, I think, emboldens them to try and play. And and certainly, you know, the, the top end, there's a couple guys on the top end. Certainly, Tomash Hurdle, who's leading the team in goals, and Timo Meyer, who's leading the team in points. Those two guys are the are the standouts on the team so far. But definitely the defensive standout is Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson is playing extremely well. He has been a difference maker in a lot of games. He's creating chances. He's a plus player on a team that doesn't have a lot of plus players. Like this guy's really turned over a new leaf and he's playing with Jacob Middleton. And that's a pairing that I would never would have expected, but it's really working out. I know there's some, you know, outside stuff where he's, you know, kind of in the Norris discussion, certainly not the the front runner by any means and, and probably won't be a finalist, but at least his name is there. <laughs> no, yeah, of course. At least he's there. You know, it's not like this guy's a joke. I mean, this guy has obviously become a difference maker again, maybe not to the extent that we'd want, but I mean, this is very encouraging. Yeah, I mean, the uh the the naughty list does not have Eric Carlson on it anymore. It's only Kevin LeBanc. <laughs> right. And like, you right. know, I mean, when you're looking at, you know, 
guys who are basically wastes of roster space. Mm-hmm. You know, Evander Kane has been banished to the minors, and I certainly don't think he's ever going to play in Teal again, dude. And we can talk about that also later. But, you know, Kevin LeBanc has been, I mean, it, it, I don't know if you can call it a disaster, but it's pretty close. Uh, it's a disaster. He's he's not good. And you think about the Sharks have nearly $12 million in cap space on two wingers that are not NHL players, right? Like yeah. LeBanc, what, I don't know what, what happened to this guy? Like yeah. what happened, dude? Like, I mean, like he, this is now year three. It's been bad. Yeah. It's not doing, you know, those, those, it's not the guy that we saw take over like games and be a power play specialist or even just do any of that stuff. It's not doing anything well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, re- it's really unfortunate. I certainly don't have a uh, diagnosis on what, what's happened to Kevin LeBanc. It's, it's, very, I'm sure no one's more frustrated than him, right? <laughs> this guy's played competitive hockey his whole life. I'm sure he's like, sweet, I really want to have six points in 26 games here as a guy who's making almost $6 million a year. Like, finally, I made my mark, you know? But it is, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a very frustrating situation for him and everyone else. Um, but yeah, there's, but other, you know, Barabanov's, he's doing pretty good. Jonathan Dolan pretty good like some of these names these are names of, of guys that we did not expect rudolph balsers balsers doing pretty good. nice yeah absolutely dude i mean uh for christmas i got a mario ferraro t-shirt nice as requested good uh most definitely uh my new favorite shark couture we're not talking about you know couture he's having a solid year right yeah and you know but <laughs> you know all in all you know, the Sharks still are not producing enough offensively, but they're better than we expected. A lot of it has to do with the guys that we just talked about, but most of it has to do with James Reimer. That's right. And of the sort of good cop, bad cop story, that's that's the story that is both very encouraging and very discouraging because James Reimer was not brought in to be the new savior of the Sharks goaltending situation, which was as we have said so many times before, far below league average the last few years. And we were hoping he was going to be the guy that would push Aiden Hill into that starting job. And instead, he has pretty much lapped Aiden Hill in terms of the stats. I mean, his stats are better across the board. And he's, frankly, one of the better goaltenders in the NHL this year. Yeah, I mean, Aiden Hill has been disappointing, but not a disaster, right? Yes, right. Um, he has had some bad games and he's been good in others. So, you know, I'm not willing to say Aiden Hill, I'm not willing to write him off yet. And a PS Martin Jones is still bad. All right. So, I mean, those of is you that are, right? Jones, yeah, he's, he's got, bad again. He, no, he's bad. Look, dude, look up his stats. He was dude. good at the beginning of the yeah, year. Okay. I haven't his, looked his in goals a while. allowed it is worse than Aiden Hills. All right. So, okay, good. Martin Jones, still bad. That makes me feel a little yeah, better no, somehow. No, Martin Jones, still bad. <laughs> Flyers really bad, right? So, you know, anyone who wants that guy on their team, right? You're like, oh well, you know, he's you have him, and he's sort of the, the kryptonite for good, you know. The, the, look at his nine oh seven. That's better than okay. The save nine oh seven. That's terrible. That's not that's below league average. It's better than Aiden Hills. Better than Aiden Hills. But his below goals allowed is higher. Yeah. So, dude, I mean, whatever. But 
quality starts four out of 11. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Yeah, no, not good. Yeah. Well, uh, anyways. He's a, he's, he's a below league average goalie. Yeah, it's not what you would have expected. You wouldn't have expected James Reimer to take the job over, right? But he has. He's clearly the number one on the team. But hey, you know, I mean, you 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 take it, you take it, great. You know, he's making them competitive. It goes back to the storyline that we've been talking about for the last several years. If the Sharks had league average or better goaltending, they could be in the mix for a playoff spot, and they are. Yeah. Right. Right. Things, you know, this team could make the playoffs. They could. They they could. They're going to have to start scoring. They're going to have to start scoring because yeah. they are not scoring. And, you know, there's a new athletic beat writer now. Kevin Kurz has now gone east. He's going to be the beat writer for the uh, New York. I always York. felt like, I mean, I, I listen, and I think I'm not slacking Kevin Kurz, and he's been very kind to us, and he's been on our show. and Right. Uh, but I always feel like he always kind of wanted to go back to the East Coast. <laughs> like, like, he always would talk about the, you know, you know East Coast guy, like, uh, if... Obviously, this is what he wanted, so I'm I'm happy for him. And um, you know, covering Sweet Lou, uh, I'm sure is not boring. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. And now we have the previously New Jersey Devils writer, um, who is much more statistically inclined, which you know uh, warms my heart. And he wrote a, a recent column about different stats that explain the Sharks, which I read with great interest and thought was an interesting article for those of you that have athletic scholarships uh, or the athletic uh, subscription rather. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely some things that he highlights in that the sharks for one, which is interesting. Sharks are not drawing a lot of penalties. Sharks not, they're okay on the power play, but they're not drawing very many penalties, which means they're not scoring on the power play very much. Sharks also are creating chances but aren't scoring because their shooting percentage is pretty bad. So it's basically some more nuanced explanations of what we've already talked about, which is the Sharks are pretty good defensively and they're not good offensively. And if they keep going this way, they're not going to make the playoffs. I think over the last 10 or 15 games, they're pro- or over the last little while, they're more at like an 80-point pace rather than a 90-point pace, which puts them well out of the playoffs. But... Um, I enjoyed his this article, and I think that it, it makes a lot of sense what's going on here. But yeah, I mean, this is this is not a elite or even playoff team at this point. But let's also talk about one more positive thing, dude. Is that the, you know the resurgence of Timo Meyer? Yes, has been. You know, I'm so glad because, and again, I mean, you want to you want to point fingers at what was maybe part of the problem is you know, reportedly, he was you know, fairly, you know, close with Evander Kane. Yeah, so like yeah. you get rid of that distraction, that negativity around the team. And all of a sudden Timo Meyer's back to being the power forward that you expect him to be. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, dude. You you can't there. It's not a coincidence, I, you know, that the Sharks yeah. are playing like a tight group. Eric Carlson is better. Timo Meyer is better. You know, like these things are related, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it brings us into the topic that's hovering. Yes. Dude. The topic of the season. Right. Evander Kane suspended for a fake vaccination card. Right. right? Uh, he is absolved of any of the other investigations for gambling. Um, no punishment for any of the accusations 
from his soon-to-be ex-wife about his conduct. Uh, he is back now, uh, not suspended by the team, playing for the San Jose Barracuda, right? Dude, what happens next with Evander Kane? The, the most surprising storyline to me regarding this Evander Kane situation has been in the last month where there apparently was some teams that would have been willing to trade for him. Like that was not a headline or a sentence I thought I would read this entire season. I thought every single team in the NHL would not want any part of this guy. I think the current CBA allows the team to take up to half of a player's salary, even if the Sharks were dangling that, which apparently they are. No one would want him, but apparently... Some teams have been interested. Now, I don't know how far that interest goes, right? And he certainly hasn't been traded yet. Uh, I would love to see that happen. That would be my favorite thing. If uh, the Sharks can offload half of his salary, take the other half, and get him off the team, that would be the best possible outcome. I have to think the only other outcome that the Sharks are considering at this point would be to leave him in the minors for the year and then buy him out in the summertime. To me, those are the only two acceptable options for Vander Kane. You cannot put him on this team. You cannot put him on the NHL team at this point. You're just going to poison everything that you've been trying to to work towards. That's that's my biggest fear. The fact that even days before he was off suspension, the coach and the players didn't even know what his situation was. They hadn't talked to him. Certainly indicates to me that the team has a very dim view of Evander Kane right now. Like there were no no messages like, yep, he's coming back. We welcome him when he comes back and we hope he is ready to play or any of this stuff. The only messages like that have come from Evander Kane himself. So at least so far, to me, the messaging has been pretty straightforward. Sharks don't want him on the team. They're going to do what it takes to get him out. Yeah, I think you're right, dude. I, I just I I see this playing out similar to what happened last year with the Rangers and D'Angelo, where you know they they didn't want him around anymore. He refused to accept the minor league assignment, and by doing that, I believe he did not get paid. And then they bought him out, and then he signed with Carolina, and it's kind of having a, a career resurgence, right? But. Uh, could that happen for Evander Kane? Sure. Is someone going to sign him if he gets bought out? Absolutely, they will. And they can deal with, you know, whatever comes with him, right? Which yep. is a lot. Yes. Right? yes. And, you know, the Sharks seem to be able to, as an organization, keep him in check when there were other personalities around that were not going to allow him to rise to the top of the leadership group, right? And we're talking about the Joes here, right? Like mm-hmm. when the Joes were here, this wasn't happening. Right. And I'm not saying that, you know, well, you know, well, I guess we could say maybe, you know, Joe Pavelski should still be here, right? Yes. I mean, like that's, yes. that's, that's no one, I don't think either of us are questioning that. That was a mistake. But is that the biggest, I mean, of all the things that, that Doug Wilson has done during his tenure and, We've certainly talked at, at nauseum at, at some of the worst ones, the the bad things that have happened. I think not choosing not to even consider resigning Joe Pavelski is the worst thing that that Doug Wilson has done in his tenure as GM. I think putting his lot with uh with Eric Carlson maybe not the best call, but I understand it. But not signing Joe Pavelski and just letting him walk, not even being in the hunt, 
I think is the worst mistake that he's made as a general manager. It's hard to argue with that. Um, and certainly the fact that Joe is still very productive at his age, you know, we, I'm just, we were all scared about it and we've been proven wrong. I've been proven wrong. So, I know, I know I said at the time he's slow and old and he's only going to get older and slower, which has all been true, but he's still a great NHL player, which I was so wrong about. And he's still very, very effective. Let me ask you a question, dude. There's a few things that need to stay in place here for this to happen. But if Dallas does not do well in the playoffs, what percentage do you put Joe Pavelski coming back next year? Zero percent. Zero. I think he's not coming back here. Why? Because I, I, at least from the limited things I've heard him say, is he's done with San Jose. I don't. Wow. I don't think he wants to come back here. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. Um, I mean, he still gets really warm receptions even now, and he's been gone years. Well, I, I mean, know. I mean, well, that's why certainly I, the fan base I, loves I, him. I know. I mean, I I guess, and I, I'm not even saying it'd be the right thing to do because, you know, I think we're both in the lot that this team needs to be looking towards the future instead of thinking that they can win now and bringing in a 38 year old Joe Pavelski at that point is even, you know, more questionable than re-signing a 35 year old Joe Pavelski. Right. But, um, we've seen the sharks take this nostalgia train before. Yes. Um, but anyways, dude, uh, we agree. Evander Kane will not be on the sharks roster this year and we'll see what happens, you know, in terms of him, I just would be shocked if anybody would be willing to throw him onto their roster uh, for a playoff push like and potentially ruin it through his own behavior. I think that maybe someone will take a, a gamble on him haha, um, in, uh, <laughs> in the offseason, but not now. I don't think anybody's going to be willing to do that. So the second storyline, dude, is... Tomas Hurdle. Yeah, that when I said this is the most important storyline of the season, I thought that was the storyline you were going to bring up because I think the Tomas Hurdle story is the most important question posed to the Sharks right now. I think so. For a team that is already scoring deficient, do you trade your leading goal scorer when you can hardly score goals? I think you have to. <laughs> I agree with you, dude. I agree with you. And, I know um, that sucks, but I think now, you have to. This is... Um, it, well, okay. I think, you, I think you can't if the offer is not good, right? Yeah. But he will be likely one of the best players available, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, true. they should be able to get something very meaningful for him from a playoff caliber team. Now I'm not talking right. about the number 26 pick and some low level prospect, right? They need to get what essentially Montreal did a couple of years ago when they collected, you know, someone like Nick Suzuki, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. They need to get a, a guy who's going to be playing meaningful minutes next year with Jonathan Dolan, with William Eklund. He is part of the immediate future when, when, when the, when this line of prospects shows up for the sharks, this guy isn't four or five years away. This is a ready to go 
young player. Right. And this is a guy who seemed to be a slam dunk NHLer. Like, this isn't the guy who says, like, if things keep going well, he should be a second line player. Maybe he can turn to Matt Stajan. <laughs> and nice. Uh, and the future Lee Stepniak. Yeah. And you're like, what? No, I mean, you want a guy who really has upside, right? I mean, maybe not like number seven overall William Eklund upside, but you need a guy who's like, this guy's going to be a player. Yeah. And the the sad thing is that the only reason I'm advocating for this is just because the Sharks don't have the salary structure to reward him. If the Sharks did not have the Vlasic contract and the Burns contract and the Carlson contract and the Couture contract... I'd say you pay this guy what he's worth. I would have no problem with it. The guy's positive. He's a fan favorite. Fun must be always. All that stuff. Yeah. I love all that stuff. I love his personality. I love the way he scores. I love everything about him. But the fact is, he you just can't fit him into this team right now. So let me take the San Francisco Giants approach here, dude, where they very rarely seem to be willing to give out you know, big money dollars Mm -hmm. to players for various degrees of risk. Should you give an eight-year, $64 million contract to a guy who's had two major knee surgeries? Right. This is Should you do that? Like right now, it's going well. In two years, if he blows his knee out again, he could be done. Right. And then you're screwed, right? And I don't know for a team that is looking hopefully four or five years down the road here, if having a guy who, when the sharks are relevant again, is going to be now still, you know, 30 young, young thirties. Right. Mm -hmm. But possibly putting even more tread on those tires. It it sucks because we love Tomas hurdle. Right. But for the sharks right now, it does not make sense. Like you said, because of the salary structure they've put themselves in to make that kind of commitment. They just can't. It's hard. They, yeah, they no, just they can't, can't do it. They just can't do it. And if they do, they're going to be absolutely locked in to this roster for three to five years. Yeah. And as we've seen right now, this is not a playoff roster. No. I don't know why you would willingly, you know, you're, you're going to make some changes next year. You're going to hope for one extra great player in William Eklund, hopefully. But the Sharks right now are not a William Eklund, even if you extrapolate him out to a top-line scoring type player. He's basically... Let's let's think about this. William Eklund, at his top end, is basically Evander Kane. Right. He's, you know, you want a 30 to 35 goal scorer. I mean, that's the most you can hope for anyone, unless so, you're talking a generational talent. Let me ask you a question, dude. If you could choose, let's say you had a great trade offer on the table, right? A a young player that you would view as like, just can't miss. Like, you know, this is going to be a player, 22 years old, you know, entry level deal. It's going to be a star alongside Eklund for the next several years. And you get a few other things with it, right? And they said, you can give us either Hurdle or Couture. What do you do? You could trade Couture for that package, or you could trade Hurdle, or or and, and sorry, you could trade Couture for that package, and then you could keep Hurdle, sign him for the money Couture's getting, or you keep Couture and you trade. Which player that, would you rather have? That is a tough, tough question. God, that is a tough, 
tough question. Man, I don't... Don't you... I mean, like, it's hard, but like... So the risk with Hurdle is the knees, The right? risk with Hurdle is the knees. But he is four years younger. He's four years younger. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's something to think about because I, I think... I don't think the Sharks are looking to trade Logan Couture, but I don't think they wouldn't listen, you know? And I I think they would listen and, and, and you know, he may be actually the most valuable, you know, trade asset that they have for a team that's looking to make a very dramatic change to their core, right? If you were adding a player that's signed, that's, you know, an all-star level player that's still in their prime, just an interesting thought, dude. I think the hurdle trade is much more likely, but I I wouldn't rule that other part out. I think you trade Couture Hmm. and it's not, it's not an easy call and I wouldn't, it's 51-49 for me, but... You know, if you look at this really brutally in terms of dollars and cents, Logan Couture is not producing according to his contract. He was marked earlier before this season started as one of the worst contracts in the NHL. And he's four years older. You take those two things together, that's the move. But you're right. You're taking a big risk with Hurdle. Because I remember after he came back from his knee surgery and he wasn't playing really well, we were saying, is this guy already done? Yeah, yeah. And we yeah. could be having that talk in you know, six months time or right. whatever, or a year. So that's a really, that's a really tough question. That's Dude, really I got question. another storyline here for you. Yeah. This is, and, and this is a little out of left field. And I'm surprised that we haven't heard anybody talk about this yet, but I'm going to talk about it. dude. Okay. Do you see a scenario where Doug Wilson leaves the sharks in the off season to become the new GM of the Chicago Blackhawks to save that franchise, which is in desperate, dire straits. This is where Doug Wilson made his name as an, an Hall of Fame defenseman. Mm-hmm. They are brutally damaged by yes, yes. the um, Kyle Beach, you know, horrible situation that happened. They are operating with an interim GM, an interim coach, I'm surprised that we haven't heard his name connected to this as a possible scenario that in the off season, Doug Wilson would rather take that challenge than fix the mess he's made here. <laughs> well, the other the other thing is, is he even operating as GM of the Sharks right now? Isn't he on a medical leave? Uh... I don't know. Yeah, I thought he's on a medical leave. Still, I thought so, but I, I think is that there's any news on that. There's questions. What is that? Yeah, I, mm. I mean, there's certainly. So there's two things, right? One is that the medical leave thing. I'm not sure what his health is like. I think Joe Will has been operating the team recently. Um, the other thing is, I don't think that Doug Wilson has any specific personal ties to Chicago. I don't think he lives there. Obviously, he lives here. I think he has a place in Arizona, if I remember correctly. I don't think it's not like he has a lot of family and goes back to Chicago every year. If that were the case, I'd say that's much more likely. I think it's... I'm going to classify that as unlikely mm. at this point. But that does seem to be a fit because Doug Wilson certainly doesn't have any such kinds of allegations and 
you know, accusations of misconduct with anyone in, in that Chicago situation is so terrible. Yeah. Another reason why he wouldn't do it, and this was discussed on the Elliot Friedman podcast, is that they were talking about uh, hands-off owners and GMs that sort of have like full control with no one checking their work. And the Sharks, Doug Wilson was one of the first ones mentioned yeah. as like, yeah. you know, he can like, do whatever he, he wants. He can do whatever he wants. Hasso Plotner is not involved in any way. We're not even sure Hasso Plotner checks the score. Does he know it's <laughs> hockey season? I know we're not sure. He's writing checks, but like Doug Wilson for sure, like is running the franchise without any sort of ownership meddling. So to go from that to moving to Chicago where you know, the Wirtz family, I'm sure, is very wounded by what happened. And I don't think they're, whoever it is, is going to get no oversight, right? Like, yeah. I mean, there's going to be oversight, like, in seeing what you're doing because of what happened, you know, dude. Like, uh, I'm just, I, I've been thinking about it. Like, going, if you're Chicago and you wanted to bring in somebody of high character mm-hmm. to kind of rehabilitate your franchise, why wouldn't you go after one of the best players that's ever played in a Blackhawk uniform? Right. Who is, you know, been a, a longtime successful GM at the NHL level. You got to think they would at least ask. Right. Right. Yeah, the the wrinkle is certainly this health situation which I don't think anybody really knows what the huh. situation is there with that, but um yeah, that's an interesting question, and and certainly, you know, we've been down on Doug Wilson over the past <laughs> little while, and I know a lot of other people have as well, um, putting the team in this position where they are terribly burdened by all of these contracts that cannot be unloaded. Um, I could understand a new GM wanting to change it up a little bit, but I don't know how... Is the ownership group, is this team going to be bad enough, or where is the line for Hassel Platner to say, okay... I need somebody else. Yeah, I mean, the fear is that they become the Indiana Pacers of the NHL, which is, you know, a team that hasn't had a pick in the top 10 in the NBA draft in, I think, like 20 years or something. Yeah. Like, you know, when now, you know, we had pick seven last year, right? But I don't know that the Sharks are going to be bad enough to crack the top 10 again this year. I don't think they will be, actually. I think they're going to be in right. that, that purgatory. Middle ground. Number 13. They're just going to miss the playoffs, right? Which is why if you want to try and make some progress here in, in getting some young talent, the best way to do that is to move Tomas Hurdle. I mean, that's going to be the best way to do it if they can get the value. Yeah. They really need to get something in, in return because the fan base will be... It's extremely upset if they get a second-rate prospect and a second-round pick or something, you know, if the timing isn't right and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, the the worst situation would be that they don't do anything and they don't trade him and then he just walks. Sure. And we've seen Doug Wilson. I don't know. Well, actually, I got to say, I don't know that we've seen Doug Wilson in this position before. I mean, I think maybe the the best, you know, comp might be when he traded Ryan Clough and Douglas Murray and he got did quite well in those really? deals, right? Yeah, I mean, really like good. he did well, and those players are not as good as Tomas Hurdle, right? And he did quite well, so maybe we're going to see him, you know, really take advantage of the market and get a return for a player in Tomas Hurdle who could be a real difference maker if you put him on, 
you know, a team that is looking to make a Stanley Cup run, you know, can you get one of these, you know, the Avalanche have a a treasure trove of young, talented players, right? You know, especially on the blue line. Mm-hmm. Some of them aren't even playing. Right. You know, can you, I mean, you imagine him on that team? Like, can you get one of those players who could step in right now, right? And be an elite level player or possibly soon? You know, that's the kind of thing you got to be looking at here. Right. Right. Where you're like, you got to get a player who's going to come in and make an impact next season, like next season right away. Well, those are the questions posed to the Sharks, dude. Dude. It's great to be back here talking about hockey with you again, dude. How'd we do? How long have we been talking? 40 minutes. Nice. Well, we're making up for lost time. That's right. That's right. And thank you to everyone again for reaching out. Asking, oh, my gosh. Sorry it's been so long, but uh, real life intrudes. And, and hopefully, you know, we're not done. No, no, we're not done. As much as life, you know, literally kicked both of us in the balls repeatedly, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, over the last two months uh it did not knock us down it did not knock our families down and we are gonna keep talking hockey uh until the internet goes down which might be tomorrow you know you (laughs) know but but you never know dude uh hopefully we'll get you know maybe i don't know we may still be in uh we might not have another episode for two weeks right yeah, but yeah. but don't take that as a, a long-term hiatus uh there are some vacation plans that have been in the works so uh we will be back who knows the sharks might not be playing for another two weeks but right you know uh, uh dude well quickly before we go i mean what what is your take on uh the nhl not sending players to the olympics well given the quarantine rules and all the other stuff that seems to make sense i know the players are really um upset about it but i think some somebody said if they get it they they're got to be away from their families for three or four weeks it's five weeks dude. yeah they would have been i mean you know That's people are really, like well yeah. you know if you're um you know uh i'm trying to think about if you're Connor mcdavid right yeah and you know your team is in the playoff mix sort of and or when they are yeah i mean like and you get covid in china and you have to sit there for five weeks right like the Oilers are screwed. Yeah, oh, They're yeah. screwed. And, you know, if he has a family, which I don't know if he does or he doesn't, but like, you know, I mean, if you do, like Eric Carlson was like, I don't want to not be home with my family right. for five weeks FaceTiming from China. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. like, no, That's like a I'm really, not willing to take that risk. It's right? a difficult decision, but uh, I, I totally understand the reactions by those players. Yeah. You can't be away from your family for a month, you know, sick somewhere. Or not even sick. You're just in the protocol. So, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, personally, and I know I'm in a, a small minority here, but I just am not as jazzed about the Olympic hockey tournament as I used to be. Sure. And Well, especially not now. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? might be really interesting. It could be Michael Petty playing on the blue line. <laughs> it could be me. Yeah. <laughs> you and Curtis Brown. Here's a question that was posed to me by a friend. Do you go down to the minors so that you can play in the Olympics? Oh, I don't think anybody wants to Does do Evander that. Kane yeah. want to play for Canada? Oh. Does Evander Kane play for Canada now? No. Yeah. So I don't know. But... Um, I'm just for for whatever reason the last two or three tournaments since the Sidney Crosby versus Joe Pavelski gold medal game it's hard for me to get the same level yeah. of excitement in the Olympic tournament I'm just more invested in the Stanley Cup 
Absolutely. All right, dude. All right, dude. Well, uh, when the sharks are back, we'll be back. And uh, don't panic if you don't hear from us for two weeks. Yeah. We will be back after that talking uh, talking hockey, and we'll see. We might be talking playoff push. We might be trying trades. Dude, There's, <laughs> it's certainly more interesting than we thought it was going to be. So yeah. Uh, yeah. who knows? You know, sharks go on a run. Maybe we're talking playoffs, dude. Well, happy new year and go sharks. Go sharks. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.